0: Welcome to A Train Sports Talk Podcast where I am Danny Smith. I am your conductor. This train is getting ready to take you on a ride. It's been a few days and a lot has happened. The NFL app actually is happening about NFL Sunday night. Monday night. Tuesday night. Also, sad news. Baseball has lost some other MVP 1975 and 76 the accomplishments and awards he made on the field and beyond so we're going to talk about that and more here on the a train sports talk podcast with I Anthony Smith and your conductor as I always say grab your ticket get on board enjoy the ride this train is going on a journey stay tuned for the a train sports talk podcast and it's coming up next Joe Morgan mean to the game of baseball?
1: You know, every time that I would see Joe Morgan on the field when he was doing Sunday Night Baseball, it always struck me how players like Derek Jeter and Cal Ripken Jr. and Alex Rodriguez would to find their way to go and talk with Joe Morgan Because he was baseball royalty, the greatest second baseman of all time, and the centerpiece of what was arguably one of the best trades of all time when the Reds got him from the Houston Astros. You're talking about a player in his eight seasons in Cincinnati, 816 runs scored, 406 stolen bases, two MVP awards, five gold gloves, 415 on base percentage. He was one of the best players of all time.
0: And that is my lead-in today. Joe Morgan, one of the greats of the game, passed away on Sunday at the age of 77 years old. Hall of Fame second baseman Joe Morgan, a key member of the Cincinnati Reds' famed Big Red Machine, died Sunday. He was 77 years of age. Morgan died Sunday at his home in Danville, California family spokesman James Davis said in a statement Monday. Morgan struggled with various health issues in recent years, including a nerve condition, a form of polyneuropathy. Morgan was a two-time National League Most Valuable Player, a 10-time All-Star, and a five-time Gold Glove Award winner. He is widely regarded as one of the best second basemen in baseball history and he gained renown for his 25-plus years as a broadcaster after his playing career. Major League Baseball is deeply saddened by the death of Joe Morgan, one of the best five tool players our game has ever known and a symbol of all-around excellence, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manford said in a statement. Joe often reminded baseball fans that the the players smallest in stature on the field could be the most impactful. Morgan spent the majority of his 22-year career with the Reds and the Houston Astros franchise. Along with Pete Rose and fellow Hall of Famers Johnny Bench and Tony Perez, Morgan helped the Reds win back-to-back World Series championships in 1975 and 1976. Cincinnati also reached the World Series in 1972, Morgan's first year with the Reds. Joe Morgan was quite simply the best baseball player I played against or soft bench text to the Associated Press. Morgan was NL MVP in 1975 and 1976 and was named an All-Star in each of his eight seasons with the Reds. He was a 271 career hitter with 268 runs, 1,133 RBIs, 1,650 runs scored and 689 stolen bases, 11th in baseball history. There were moments of silence held at Petco Park in San Diego before the Tampa Bay Rays and Astros played Monday in Game 2 of the American League Championship Series and at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas before the Los Angeles Dodgers and Atlanta Braves met in the National League Championship Series opener. He meant a lot to us, a lot to me, a lot to baseball, a lot to African Americans around the country, a lot to players that were considered undersized, said Astros manager Dusty Baker, a longtime friend and National League rival. He was one of the first examples of speed and power for a guy they said was too small to play. Morgan first played in the majors in 1963 when the astros were the houston colt 45s he was traded to cincinnati in november 1971 as part of an eight-player deal he played the next eight years with the reds the reds family is heartbroken joe was a giant in the game and was adored by the fans in this city ceo bob castellini said in a statement he had a lifelong loyalty and dedication to this organization that extended to our current team and front office staff. As a cornerstone on one of the greatest teams in baseball history, his contributions to this franchise will live forever. Our hearts ache for his Big Red machine teammates. In a tweet that was sent out by the Cincinnati Reds at Reds, the Reds are heartbroken to learn of the passing of baseball legend Joe Morgan. Morgan spent the 1980 season with Houston, helping the Astros to a NL West title. He played two years with San Francisco, hitting a home run on the final day of the 1982 season against the rival Dodgers to knock the defending champions out of the playoffs, and later was reunited with Rose and Perez in Philadelphia. Morgan hit two home runs in the 1983 World Series, in which the Phillies lost in five games, Baltimore and he tripled in his final at bat. Morgan finished as a career 182 hitter in 50 postseason games. He played in 11 series and batted over 273 in just one of them, a stat that surprises many considering his big game reputation. Raised in Oakland, California, Morgan returned to the Bay Area and played the 1984 season for the Athletics before retiring. At the age of 41, he set the National League record for games played at second base and ranked among the career leaders in Waltz. He was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1990. The Reds inducted him into their Hall of Fame and retired his number eight. He did it all, and he did it all the time, said Bench, the first member of the Big Red Machine to enter the Hall Great father and outstanding businessman, he was a friend to so many and respected by all. Morgan started his broadcasting career in 1985 and worked at ESPN from 1990 to 2010, serving as a member of the network's lead baseball broadcast team. Morgan parted ways with ESPN after the 2010 season when he returned to the Reds in the role of Special Advisor to Baseball Operations. He also was board vice chairman of baseball's Hall of Fame and on the board of the baseball assistance team. Joe was a close friend and an advisor to me, and I welcomed his perspective on numerous issues in recent years, Manfred said. He was a true gentleman who cared about our game and the values for which it stands. Morgan is survived by his wife of 30 years, Teresa, their twin daughters, Kelly and Ashley, and daughters Lisa and Angela from his marriage to Gloria Morgan. Funeral details were not yet set. Morgan is among several Hall of Famers who have died this year, including Whitey Ford, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Tom Seaver, and Al Kaline. All champions, this hurts the most, Bench said. So there you have it. The passing of a baseball legend, Joe Morgan part of the famed Big Red Machine.
1: Commissioner Vincent, President White, President Brown, honored guests, and fellow Hall of Fame. Thank you. Because of the rain last night, we are doing some things in reverse. Um, I was fortunate enough that I received my Hall of Fame ring last night Instead of tonight, we went to a dinner that was hosted by these great Hall of Famers and some of the guys who have left. And I think the greatest thing for me, because I am a baseball traditionalist, I believe in the history of the game and the people who have preceded me, not only in baseball but in other parts of the country and other sports. And last night for me, I was sitting there and I started looking around the room It was like being in a time capsule. I was looking back. I looked around the room and I looked over and I saw Billy Williams. And I remember the sweet swing and the line drives he used to hit over my head in Chicago. I looked over and I saw Willie Starger. He's also a fellow Oaklander. And he's also the reason I wear number eight, or I wore number eight. I looked over and I saw Ted Williams. And I could just envision him envision him gripping the back very hard, tight, and then hitting the line drive to the outfield someplace. And I looked over and I saw Charlie Geringer, one of the greatest second basemen of all times. And I could just see him gazelle-like around second base. And for me, the entire history of baseball was in that room last night. And that's what's important. Not just that you honor me today and Jim Palmer, but all these great Hall of Famers for what they've done for the game. And I'm just as proud as I can be to be taking a place with them.
0: And there you have part of Joe Morgan's Hall of Fame speech, his induction into the Hall of Fame back in 1990. As a matter of fact, I think what I'm going to do this Portion of my podcast is going to be dedicated to the memory of Joe Morgan. So, you will probably hear less of me on this particular podcast and probably more of some more of Joe Morgan's Hall of Fame speech. So, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a break and slide in a word from my sponsor, and when I come back, we'll hear more of this Hall of Fame induction speech from the late, great Joe Morgan. So stay tuned. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast will return after this message. Okay, welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast and as promised, we will have more of this induction speech. So here we go with more of this speech from Joe Morgan, Hall of Fame speech of 1990.
1: To say today. I've got a lot of things written down, but as I approach today, I start to realize that, you know, I was very lucky to be able to play Major League Baseball. When I grew up in Oakland, a lot of great players came out of Oakland Frank Robinson, David Pinson, Willie Starger, But they had one thing in common they were about six feet, <laughs> real physical specimen. So you see, I was very lucky for a guy to be 5'5, weigh 140 pounds, and for the scouts, Bill White, to see that maybe I had the potential to be a Major League player. So that made me very lucky because a lot of little guys didn't get the opportunity to play and show what they could do. And because of that, I stand here today very proud of the fact that I was a second baseman and that I did get a chance to play Major League Baseball. I'm also here, I want to dispel a couple of rumors and add to some of the things that have been said about me. First of all, I want to dispel the rumor that I just learned how to play baseball when I went to Cincinnati. (laughs) That's not true. I learned to play baseball in Houston because when I, my first year in the major leagues, I had teammates, Nellie Fox, Bob Lillis. Eddie Casco, Joe Gaines, Bob Aspermani, Jimmy Wynn, Rusty Stiles. I had a lot of great teammates my first year. But I learned so much my first year from Nellie Fox and Bob Lillis that most guys take five years to learn the things I learned that first year. So I knew how to play baseball when I went to Cincinnati. That's the first thing I wanted to spell. The second rumor is, you know, I was lucky because I got to play in Durham. I was one of the original Durham Bulls in reality. I didn't even get a chance to see Susan Sarandon, but in her place, there was Billy Goodman, who was a manager, and Dave Philly. They were my first minor league managers. And I was taught lessons by these guys at held me in good stead all the way through my career. I remember Billy Goodman one day, he told me, he said, Joe, you have to approach every season like you're a rookie. He said, if you had a great season, you have to prove that it was not a fluke. If you had a lousy year, you have to prove that it was a fluke. So for 20 years, that's the way I approached spring training, and I think that's one of the things that really helped me. Dave Philly told me this about 30 times in the first month of my first minor league season. He said, Joe, he says, there's a pot of gold to be made out there in baseball if you just work hard and give yourself a chance to have fun. I don't even think Dave Philly knew how big that pot of gold really was. It's a real big pot now. But I was also lucky that I played in the Bay Area. And I got a chance to see the great players, Willie McCovey. Yes, I was there the day with went 4 for 4 against Robin Roberts. And the great Willie Mays. I got to see these guys play each and every day. And the Willie Stargers and the Frank Roberts, all these great players who came in. And I think that watching them play and the way they enjoyed the game, I was fortunate enough that I was infected with their enthusiasm for the game. And wanted to play the game the way that they did. I think the one thing that I remember most about Nellie Fox, other than he was a great player, is that he said to me one day, he said, Joe, the guys who stay in the major leagues the longest are the guys that do the most to help their teams win. And that's the way I tried to play every day. Nellie Fox made sure that I understood that the game was about winning. See, for me, the game has never been about numbers. It's only been about winning. And I only became a winner, I guess, when I did go to Cincinnati. And for that, I want to thank Bob Howzen, who is here today. I remember... After my second Most Valuable Player Award, Tony Perez came in one day. I was feeling pretty good. He said, I want you to remember this. He said, when you played for Houston, no one even knew who you were. He said, we brought you here and made you a star. (laughs) And you know what? He was right. And I say thank you to those guys every day because being a part of the Big Red Machine is also the reason that I'm here today. You know, they had such great players there, and Johnny Bench was here yesterday. He's not here today, he's a fellow Hall of Famer. Great Pete Rose, great Tony Perez, George Foster, Ken Griffey, and I wish I could name them all because they were all part of a commitment that was made by the Cincinnati Reds to win championships, and they all did their part in helping win. Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, and myself, we usually got all the credit. We won the Most Valuable Player Awards, but Tony Perez and the other guys were just as important. That's what makes a great team, a group of guys putting all their skills together and working toward one goal, and that brings me to the other guy, Sparky Anderson. You know, Sparky will never get the credit that he deserved for managing the Cincinnati Reds. Everyone said, all you have to do is put down Bench, Rose Morgan, Perez, and you could win. That's not true. You know, Sparky Anderson was really the driving force behind the Big Red Machine. And I thank him, even though I know he couldn't be here today. I got a great telegram from him yesterday. And it's been, it was just fantastic that he would take the time and send me the telegram. You know, I, I wish, you know, I could say that this is, you know, the culmination of all my dreams and things like that. but. Truthfully, I never dreamed about making the Hall of Fame. I only dreamed about making it to the Major Leagues. And when I made it to the Major Leagues, that was great. You know, the Hall of Fame is really just icing on what has been a very big and filling cake for me. In fact, just making it to the Major League was so important, I, re- I remember my first at bat like it was yesterday. My first at bat was the bottom of the ninth inning against the Philadelphia Phillies. And the Phillies were fighting for the National League pennant. It was a winning run, it was on second base, and I got a base hit, and the winning run scored. And Gene Mark, who was the manager of the Phillies, was so mad that when he went in the clubhouse, he yelled at his players and told them, you guys got beat by a guy that looks like a little nigga." <laughs> The Nellie Foxes and the Eddie Caskells and the guys who did a lot to help me to become a big leaguer, now I'm a part of the biggest league of all, and that's what's important to me. But as I mentioned, I continue to say that Nellie Fox has played a big part in my life, and he has. And I guess when I think about it, I only say the only thing that would make me happier today would be if Nellie Fox was here and Jackie Robinson were here. Both of them had a big impact on Joe Morgan. I admired both of them, first of all, because they were second basemen, and second, because they were winners in the way they played the game. Another thing Nellie Fox told me once, and I will never forget this because I think it also helped push me. He said, Joe, you can be a great player if you work hard and allow yourself to have fun every time you come to the ballpark. Have fun every day you're here and that's the way I approached it. I did have fun, and it was great, but it seemed like it went all too quickly. As you can see, I'm not keeping very good notes. (laughs) And I also think about, you know, how lucky I was to play for Frank Robinson. You know, most of you know him as a great player, but he's also becoming a great manager in the eyes of the public now. You know, it, it isn't easy being the first of anything. And Jackie Robinson could be could tell you about that probably better than anyone. But because of people like Jackie Robinson, the great, happy Chandler, and Frank Robinson, you know, all the barriers that were in baseball before are coming down, and we're all going forward. You know, I, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to play for Black Magic, but I did. I never thought I would see a black elected president of the National League, but I did. And that makes me very proud, because baseball has always been a leader in this area. And with Faye Benson and the late Bart Giamatti, I know that these things will continue to grow. And I know that in the future, all the barriers will be broken down for not just blacks, but all the minorities, women included. to introduce you to my family. Some of them have to leave. My father, Leonard Morgan, the speech because they have to catch a flight, but this is my day, and I'm going to take advantage of it. <laughs> you know, normally, when you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, it's kind of the end of one's baseball career, but, you know, I've been very lucky again because being a broadcaster working for ESPN and Sports Channel... I'm able to stay close to the game, and that's what's most important to me. Being close to baseball is something that I always want to be a part of. I hope that I will always be close to the game and close to these great players. And if I might make one suggestion to those players who are playing today, I would hope that they would not let the media pressure, the big contracts, and all the other things distract them from what's really important. Practice your craft, work hard at the game, but most of all, have fun at it. Every one of these great guys here had fun playing baseball. I must admit that there is a little more pressure on the guys playing today because when we played, it was just for the love of the game, it was just for fun. Nowadays, with all the money and all the outside pressure, It's a little tough for the guys, but I would like for them to think and make sure that every day they go to the ballpark, that they go out there to have fun, because that's what the game is all about. with all these great players and now that my induction is complete I feel like I belong here but no matter how long I'm in the Hall of Fame I think I'm always going to have problems trying to say Mays, Musial, and Morgan in the same breath (laughs) but I thank everyone for coming especially all my friends who came from all over the world to be here with me yesterday and today But most of all, I want to say to the people who are outside, thank you for coming. And it's been a great day for me. And I know it'll be a great day for Jim Palmer. This is what baseball is all about. We are very lucky.
0: And there you have it. That was the Hall of Fame induction speak from the late great joe morgan of the big red machine and there's a lot that can be learned from that speech a lot of what he said especially at the end about today's players a lot of pressure because back in his days and this some of those names I do remember uh when he said willie stargell i remember the pittsburgh pirates I really wasn't even a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, but they were one of the teams that grasped the music of, I think it was Sister Sledge when they were, their theme was We Are Family. And the main thing Joe Morgan said was, go out and have fun, enjoy the game the way it's meant to be enjoyed. Practice your craft. Basically, translation take pride in what you do, enjoy the game, and enjoy each other as if you're family. I mean, Joe Morgan, class guy, class act, he will definitely be missed. Well, it is time for me to go ahead and take another break, and I'm gonna slip in a word from my sponsor, and I will be back with more. After this, probably get you up to speed on what's going on in the world of baseball. So stay tuned. A-Train Sports Talk podcast will be back in a minute. See. Here's one that is this is an eight to six ball game.
1: When he's right,
0: that's what happens.
1: That is driven into the corner. It
0: takes the fouls up against the wall. Smith is gonna come up.
1: Cutter, but didn't get high enough. Too much Riley the sure
0: And that was highlights from the Dodgers, Braves, the rally that came up just a little bit on the short side. Now, as you heard the speech by Joe Morgan, he said that today's players have more pressure on them, you know, with all the money and all the outside influences. There is one team... Just making it big without a big contract. MLB Playoffs 2020 scouting that didn't stop at the stats fuels Tampa Bay Rays' success. Chemistry is a word often scoffed at by many baseball analytics people because there is no way to quantify what it actually means or what it offers. But when you speak to Major League Baseball players who have won a World Series, it's a word often mentioned by those it affects the most. The ones who share a clubhouse. In a champagne drenched clubhouse last year, Max Scherzer was one of several Nationals players who was quick to heap praise on Gerardo Parra, who had been signed by the club in mid May when the team was struggling mightily, signaling. His unifying personality is one of the primary reasons for the Nationals' turnaround after Parra arrived. He brought so much joy, Scherzer said. He reminded us all to relax and have fun playing this game. Is that not what Joe Morgan said in his speech? The Tampa Bay Rays are among the smallest of small market clubs, yet they are on the verge of earning just their second trip to the World Series. They have long embraced their formula mostly because they can't cover many flaws with a checkbook. Yes, analytics play a significant role in the Rays' success, something you see by their high number of defensive shifts around the diamond, and they're popularizing the frequent use of the opener on the pitching mound. But their success is also built on by what happens when the players are all together which is pretty much every day for hours at a time. When we acquire a player, as much work that goes into what he can do on the field, there is that much on the personality and character, manager Kevin Cash said. That's where scouts come into play and word of mouth comes into play. Getting to know and having relationships throughout the game that you can find some pretty crucial information about how's his personality. We know we have enough information about how those players can match on the field, but how do they match in the clubhouse? Almost out of necessity, the Rays have always been a magnet for the discarded. In Game 2 the American League Championship Series against the Astros, Tampa Bay's starting lineup featured seven players who had been acquired via trade. Only Brandon Lowe and Kevin Kermeyer were originally Rays draft picks. Over the course of the past five years, the team payrolls of the Rays have ranked 28th in MLB twice, including this season, 29th once, and last at 30th another two times. Their pro rated player payroll this season was 28 million, nearly 100 million less than that of the Yankees, 113 million, whom they eliminated in the ALDS. Yet the Rays. 40 victories and 60 games was second only to the Dodgers, 43 wins, and their $105 million payroll. Talent is an obvious must for Tampa Bay to do what it has done over the past dozen years, which includes eight winning seasons, but it's that culture inside the clubhouse that resonates so much with the ones most affected, the players. I think what makes us good is the mentality, how easy it is To come here and play, said Tyler Glass now, acquired from Pittsburgh along with 2019 All-Star Austin Meadows in exchange for Chris Archer during the 2018 season. I think so many of the players here are not necessarily guys that other organizations have given up on. That's not the right word for it, but they've been given a chance here and everyone comes out and plays their heart out. I think. They can kind of do what they want with lineups because everyone is so on board with winning. It's just a perfect storm, I guess. The roots of the Rays' success can be traced to when the franchise hired someone who had never been a big league manager, the nomadic Joe Madden, in 2006. He immediately brought in a counterculture of perspective. Joe started that thinking when I was here, when I was there, said veteran left-hander. David Price, a member of the Rays from 2008 to 2014. The first thing he told all of us was to be yourself. If you want to tattoo the piercing, go ahead and get them. I loved it there. Culture absolutely matters inside the clubhouse. 100% it does, and I don't care what anyone else says about that. It takes chemistry to win. There's no way around that. Players know this. I'm very happy for what they're doing. A little piece of me is still in Tampa. The Rays system would not work if there were fractures within the organization. Here's where the Rays excel they scour every level of minor league systems as well as the major league level. One area that is an obvious strength is something legendary. Royals and Braves general manager John Sherholtz told me years ago you must scout your own system better than anyone else, recognize what you have before someone else sees something you may not. This might be why the Rays rarely regret trading away anyone from their system and often make fans from other organizations question why some players from their favorite clubs seem to excel once they wear a Rays uniform. Look no farther than some current big-time contributors whom they acquired by trade. Players such as Randy Arzarena Cardinals, Glasnau and Meadows Pirates, Jamon Cho, Choi Brewers, Manuel Magot Padres, Willie Adames Tigers, Mike Zanino Mariners, Nick Anderson Marlins, and Peter Fairbanks Rangers. They believe in scouting more than people think, a rival front office executive said. They have a tremendous pro, international, and amateur scouting department. It's the only way they can do what they do. It's why the running joke in some baseball circles is that if the Rays are calling about a potential trade, don't answer the phone. The Rays do serious due diligence under the surface to find players who fit their profile. Our scouts, you look at our roster, there's a lot of people that maybe didn't come through the system, Cash said. That's a credit to our research and development department and our scouts. It's a collaboration. The amount of communication and discussion that we have from player development to scouting to front office to coaching staff. There's this constant conversation with ideas being kicked around and being respected from all angles. Even someone like new cult hero Mike Bruzell whose home run in the bottom of the 8th off-Yankees closer Orodis Chapman in Game 5 of the ALDS propelled the race past their heated rivals. Broussau was an undrafted free agent from Oakland, Michigan University, having been passed over by every club for 40 rounds in the 2016 draft. Mike Broussau is a perfect, Example of why we feel our organization is so special, Cash said. Our scouting to recognize it. Our player development pushing and saying, Get him up here. He's going to make the most of it. Yet, here was Rosau, as unlikely a playoff hero as there ever has been, wearing the Superman cape after a 10-pitch at-bat against Chapman, one of the nastiest closers in the game. They know what we do well. And they put us in the scenarios to do that. We have a lot of guys that may have been overlooked in their careers. You can go down the list and there's probably so many who have been overlooked. When you put that kind of combination of everybody having a chip on their shoulder, everybody coming to the park ready to play and wanting this team to advance and and do their part to make sure that happens, it's a dangerous combination. So there you have the secret for the Tampa Bay Rays success. Probably not the most conventional, but it's what works for them. So let's get you up on top of things. Uh, And after this, I will probably be signing off as I have other obligations to meet, but I hope you enjoy this podcast, especially the fact that most of this was dedicated, first part at least, was dedicated to the late, great Joe Morgan. But to give you a score right now, in the NLCS, Game 3, Atlanta leads the series 2-0, to zero. but in the top of the third, Apparently someone has woken up the sleeping giant known as the Dodgers in their high payroll because right now they are leading the Braves in the top of the third, 12-0. In the ALCS, game four is to be played later on starting at 740. Tampa Bay leads their series 3-0. This is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Getting ready to sign off. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Leave your comments and tell me what you think. I'll be glad to hear them and I'll be glad to respond to them. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Today's A-Train Sports Talk podcast was sponsored by the new BK's African Boutique, where you can get your custom t-shirts between $10 and $20 and masks starting at $5 dollars contact Bridget Kanjira at b-j-k-o-n-g-i-r-a at Gmail dot com. That's BJ Conjira at gmail.com or call 816-694-4111. Once again, today's show sponsored by the new BK's African Boutique.